0: Thank you, Pastor Blaine, for bringing that prayer. And thank you, Board, for the work you do. Tech team, thank you. Um, Worship team, thank you so much for what you did. Scripture reading, all of these things cannot be done by one person. And this church um, has a great community, a great team. And I am so thankful that we get to work together. And that we get to partner together to see the work of the church accomplished. Um, We need each other. We can't do this alone. We can't do this as individuals. God is at work and doing a great thing. Do you believe that God desires to accomplish good things in and through you? Do you believe that? Maybe? Kind of? Sort of? In your mind you do, but in your heart it feels a little bit difficult, maybe your hearts are just worn down or you're worn out, we've been in an interesting season, and it sounds like you're beating an old drum, Trent, but it's, we've been in two and a half years of just different and disruption and social frustration and the the physical, economic, relational challenges that we've experienced. I don't think we're going to fully grasp all of that for years to come. I think it's, it paid a toll on us more than we might even realize. And then along with that transition and those changes comes uh, Pastor Brian's retirement. So you might be tempted to be filled with fear. You might be tempted to have anxiety about the future because it's not written in the sky. It's not laid out in stone. But Proverbs 3, 5-6 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. As we get ready for the fall, I continue to believe that God desires to do a good work in your life and in our lives. God is able, but this work is too great for us to do alone. We need to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, I started a sermon series entitled Equipped, and it was a reflection on what God desires to do in the life of the believer, and that as God begins to bring revival in our community, as God begins to pour out His Spirit generously on all those who earnestly seek, we can't get lost in the gifts. We can't get lost uh, and allow our spiritual pride to be fueled when we see God at work. We need to guard against being the vulture who swoops in and takes the credit. God has uniquely wired each and every one of you. He has equipped you with gifts and talents and skills, and we need to direct our thanks and praise for all of those to our Heavenly Father. We need to give credit to God for our gifts. And then last week, I felt it was important to acknowledge the challenge, acknowledge the difficulty of thinking about the Holy Spirit and all that the Holy Spirit does. The supernatural gifts can be intimidating. And the early church agreed with your concerns. They felt that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were, well, dynamite. They were explosive. They were a challenge. The early church was aware of these kinds of things, that there's even a temptation to perhaps not pursue them in all circumstances. But that wasn't the case. That's what you might have thought that would be. They would be after. They had their concerns, but despite all of that, they pursued the work of the Holy Spirit. They went after it, even with the fears, doubts, and insecurities that we too face when we think about the mysterious and powerful reality of the Holy Spirit filling us. But these fears did not stop the early church from exploring the ongoing, critical, beautiful role. ...of the Holy Spirit in the church and in the life of the believer. The early church demonstrated for us a constant passion, a constant interest in being filled by the Holy Spirit. Um, A couple weeks ago I mentioned there's the story where there were Christians. There were people following Jesus that were in Samaria. And then they realized that there was something called the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know about the Holy Spirit... So Peter and John went up into Samaria and then they prayed that the Holy Spirit would come upon these believers and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Earlier in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, one of my favorite stories, at the end of the story, Peter and John are released from the Jewish elders and it says this, they went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And then after they prayed, um, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Was shaken. And they, including Peter and John, were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time experience Peter was filled with the Spirit three times in the book of Acts between chapter 2 to 4. And then when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, 18, he uses what's called the present continuous tense, urging them to go on and on and on being filled with the Spirit. So why would Paul and the other disciples and the other apostles urge us to continue being filled with the Spirit. Could I just talk about the Holy Spirit for a second? And I need to clarify one thing here. Um, And I I need to be crystal clear on this, so I'm going to read this. All Christians, all Christians have the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to be Christian without the indwelling of the Spirit. Nicky Gumbel, the founder of the Alpha Course and a retired Anglican minister, wisely puts it this way: "Until we become Christians, the Spirit's work is primarily to convict us of our sin and our need for Jesus Christ, to convince us of the truth, and to enable us to put our faith in Him. The moment we come to Christ, we receive complete forgiveness. The barrier between us and God has been removed. God takes all our sins and buries them in the deepest depths of the sea, and as the Dutch author Corrie ten Boom used to say, he puts up a sign saying, no fishing. Gumbel goes on to say this, not only does the Spirit wipe the slate clean, but he also brings us into a relationship with God as sons and daughters not all men and women are children of, the God, of God in this sense, although all of us were created by God. It is only those who receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, that he gives the right to become children of God. That was in, from John 1.12. Sonship, daughtership in the New Testament is not a natural status, but a spiritual one. We become sons and daughters of God, not by being born, but by being born again by the Spirit. I just want to make that clear. But if you just think about the intimacy for, of God in, in this moment, that God himself would dwell within us, his children, that we could now have the closest possible relationship with the Father than ever before. When I was younger, I always wished that I could have a moment like Moses or Elijah, that I could find myself walking and stumble across a burning bush, or I could go up to a mountain and be in the presence of the glory of God, that my face would be shining, that kind of thing. But the Old Testament They might have encountered the glory of God and experienced the Holy Spirit in particular moments. But the Spirit of God was not dwelling within them in the way that we as Christians have. Romans 8.15 says that we get to cry, Abba, Father, Dad, Father, Moses, Elijah, David, Ruth, Tamar, nobody in the Old Testament could have proclaimed such intimate words as daddy. Jesus alone claimed such intimacy. And it is Jesus who allows us to share in that intimate relationship with God when we receive his spirit. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. I take this truth for granted. I don't, I, don't, I don't tend to think enough about what has changed from the Old Testament to this spirit age that we are in now. That the glory of God might have been on the face of Moses, but that glory faded. And that the spirit of God that lives within us does not fade. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, um, He, as a minister for years, knew that God was at work in his life, but something wasn't quite finished until he had a moment where God opened up his heart and mind and he saw more clearly the grace of God that was at work in his life. And he said this, I exchanged the faith of a servant for the faith of a son. So what else does the Spirit do? Um, in Romans, in the same passage, down in verse 6, it says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God, in his, in his mercy, he wants us to know deep, deep down that we are his. This isn't just an idea, it's a conviction. Uh, last, uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of attending Howard Griffin's funeral And I heard stories of who this man was and how he participated in God's kingdom and that by the witness of the Spirit he had total confidence in who he was as a son of God and that on his end day, on his last days he with praise and thanks knew where he was going because of the witness that was inside of his own heart that he was secure. That is a beautiful work of the Holy Spirit to know that we are God's. That God has us. The Spirit gives us help to pray. Uh, It says this in, in verse 26 in the same passage that Paul says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, that we do not know how we ought to pray or what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been praying and the words just aren't enough? The Holy Spirit helps us pray in that space, in that moment. When when words fail us, the Spirit begins to pray for us and with us. That's something that the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God transforms us. It's the Spirit who enables us to live a transformed life To love and trust in ways that we could never have done on our own. To have the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit are things like love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And only by the Spirit can this fruit come forth. Now, I know you might say, like, well, Trent... I've definitely seen people be patient or have self-control or exhibit love and exhibit joy. And while that's all true, there seems to be this mystery that if you put all your energy into doing self-control perfectly, something else usually drops off on the edge. There's a bitterness or there's like a frustration in how the lack of control someone else might have. Or you might have so much patience that you find you lack the courage to Operate in faith, or a joy that seems to be able to break through all circumstances. Uh, There's a man, his name was Richard uh, Wormbrand, who was imprisoned for many years. Um, And he was frequently tortured on account of his faith. And he wrote this about joy Alone in my cell, cold, hungry, and in rags, I danced for joy every night. Sometimes I was so filled with joy that I felt I would burst if I did not give it expression. This is what the Holy Spirit does and desires to do. And then as we've been thinking and reflecting on being equipped, the Holy Spirit gives supernatural gifts as tools of divine love that they reveal the love of the Father as we share those gifts with others in a way that no human can swoop in and take credit. Because there's a revelation of His love and His power that can only come from Him. Miracles, healings, perceiving of the supernatural world, speaking in other tongues, sharing words of encouragement, prophecy, to have great faith and the like. In 1 Corinthians 12, 17, it says, but to each one is given the manifestations of the Spirit uh, for the common good. This is something for all of us. Some of you might be longing for this. Some of you might not be so sure. And to those who aren't so sure, um, why not, while I'm talking, while we're having this conversation, just ask God to give you a thirst and a hunger. God, I want more. I want to want more. So that if that's you, just just whisper that in your own heart. Lord, I want to want. I want to want this. And I believe that God will respond to that prayer. Now let's take a diversion for a second and talk about driving. Okay, so I have a question for you. Um, How many of you enjoy as much as me when people treat merges as yields? How many of you appreciate appreciate that moment? You're on the highway, or you're coming to the highway, you go around the corner, you're gaining your speed so that you can just seamlessly flow in with traffic as everything should, and all of a sudden, right there in front of you, in the lane, is someone fully stopped and you slam on your brakes because you don't want to hit them, and now you and that person are watching the traffic just fly by, and you're like, my car, it is an old Chevy. It does not have the heart of, of, a, different, of a different kind of car. I was like, I can't think of any cars right now of a Mustang, Ford Mustang. Why did, why did I pick that one? It does not have the heart of a Ford Mustang. It is not going to get up to speed. So as I'm sitting there, Then someone else comes behind me and like slams on their brake. And I'm like, oh, I know they're thinking choice thoughts about me. And I'm like, I didn't do it. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. You're trying to just like let them know. It's not my fault. It's a bit annoying. That whole disruption of the flow of traffic. But I suppose it's not as bad as the other way around. That if someone treats a yield as a merge... And just like you're driving along and all of a sudden someone just like whips right in in front of you. I will admit, there have been times I've misinterpreted. It's not, well, yes, it's funny because nothing happened. Where I'm like... Getting in the flow, getting ready to like merge with traffic, only to realize there's no merge lane. Like this is happening right now, whether I like it or not. And I like have a quick prayer, Jesus, take the wheel while I keep my hands on the wheel. This is not the moment. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. I don't know what to do. Focus and then just like slide right in. And yes, there are some of those moments where I'm like, thank you, Lord. And that looked amazing. Anyone driving would have been like, that guy knows what he's doing. Not that is profoundly dangerous. So, I suppose that that's more dangerous of an option, as to the other one is just primarily frustrating and annoying. But when it's all working together, right, when people are following the rules of the road and they're courteous, they're both confident and defensive, it's actually kind of a human marvel. If you actually think about it, the way we're able to all be driving on these complex systems and that we don't have the amount of collisions that we do. Everybody's like in step, with the other. In my life with God, it's taken me years to learn how, and I am still so far off from learning how to be in step, how to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. How to merge in with what God is doing instead of stopping in fear when it feels impossible to catch up. Or knowing, knowing that God is desiring for me to yield, to slow down, and to let God's leadership go first instead of me crashing forward. I have such a long way to go, and I feel like I'm still a child learning to walk, but each step is a step into grace. I attended three weddings this past year, and at each of those weddings there was a dance, And at that dance, inevitably, you would find with the image that you just saw earlier, we can throw that up again, an image, you would see a dad with his kid. Now, at at a distance, at first, I'm thinking, that kid is amazing. Like, how are they moving together in such perfect harmony and unity? Then you get a little closer and you think, wait a second, you're on your dad's feet. That's cheating. That's not fair. Your dad's doing all of the work. This isn't what I thought it was. You're not some like child dance prodigy. You're, you're just on your dad's feet. No, I've not actually thought that. <laughs> I have not thought that. But the father was doing all of the work. Hold that picture in your mind. The, the original sermon title that I had for today was Give Away, which was, we were going to talk about giving away our gifts Giving away what God has given us. But I could not shake the simple word change that God was impressing on my heart. That today's conversation is not give away, but give way. In the UK, the term is used to allow other vehicles to pass before you move onto the road, to give way to traffic coming from the left, well, for, left for us, right for them, to yield. Give way also means to make when there's like too much weight on something and it breaks or it falls down suddenly. Um, you know, when there's like something, there's too much pressure, there's like too much of the river rushing through that the bridge gives way or the seat that was too old eventually gave way upon my unbelievable weight. Thank you for that laugh. I'm working on it. Or, right, to give way, to stop arguing or fighting against someone or something. You know, neither of them gave way. So the argument could go on forever and ever and ever. Or they they urged them to give way, but they chose to stand their ground. The Holy Spirit has been preparing some of you to respond god desires to fill you with the holy spirit are you ready to give way to the spirit of god in your life are you ready to do as job 22:21 says yield now and be at peace with god early on in my ministry i was a youth pastor and Uh, up in Edmonton, at one point I came down to Calgary to visit some family, visit my sisters, some cousins, that sort of thing, and we got into a conversation. We were just sitting at a house. It was in the late afternoon, and we got into a conversation, and the conversation and turned towards what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be baptized? And we talked about how Peter and John and the apostles, that they were often laying hands on people who were asking to receive the Holy Spirit. That God often seemed to choose to bless people through people who've already received. All of a sudden, my my cousin jumps up out of her seat, looks me in the eyes, walks up to me and she's like, Trent, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And I was like, there's like this moment of uncertainty because that's like a very upfront kind of statement. And I was like, "Uh," and I thought, yes, yes I am. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes I am. She's like would you pray for me? And I was like, uh, sure. So she kneels down right in front of me and she's like, would you lay your hands on me? I'm like, and I was like, okay, time out for a second. I'm not ready. Like, we were talking, it was all theory, and now you're asking me to do this. And she's like, I was like, can I just have a moment? Will you just give me a moment? And she's like, oh, okay, good. Yes, actually, that's a great idea. I really have to go to the washroom. (laughs) So she runs off to the washroom. I turn to my sister and I turn to the other friend and I look, I'm like, can you, can you pray for me? Can you pray? And they're like, for sure. So we have a quick prayer. And it's because, friends, I, I recognize, and this is something really important for all of us to recognize. Like, I was like, Lord, is there unrepentant sin? Is there bitterness? Is there unforgiveness? That's a direct block or barrier for the work of the Holy Spirit to happen right now. So I wanted to check in with God to make sure that everything was okay. And so I, I got all of that ready. My cousin comes back. She plops herself right down, like right in front of me. And I'm like, okay, let's let's do this. You know, there's no fanfare. There was no music. There was, it just was people talking about the goodness of God. And so uh, I asked her some simple questions. I was like, "Uh, have you received Jesus as your savior? I thought that would be a good place to start. Um, To which I knew the answer, but she was like, yes. I just wanted to hear. I was like, yes. I was like, Okay. Do you repent of your sin and desire to follow Jesus with your whole life? She's like, she's like, yes, yeah, I do, I do. Um, is He your Lord? I was like trying to like delay the process maybe a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, what do, how does this all work? And she's like, yes. And then I was like, okay. The, the moment had come. I was like, do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And she said, yes. So I was like, okay. Well, in the name of Jesus, um, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, God's presence felt tangible. She just kind of quivered as though a leaf in the wind. And she had a serenity and a joy in her face as we prayed. And then after that simple prayer, she jumped up, looked around with joy in her eyes, and she's like, let's pray for your sister and my friend, and we're like, okay, and so we just had this whole time of praying that God would be at work within us, and it was such a filling and enjoyable and thanksgiving time, and I left that time, I left that moment, I went back up to Edmonton, and my thought patterns about the next Wednesday Bible study were different, there was an optimism. There was a hope. There was a skip in my step. And I remember when we prayed as a youth group that the prayer felt just a little different. And that when we had a conversation, that the conversation just had a little bit more strength. And that there was a deeper conviction to follow after God. It was a joy. I'll, I have one, one other story. Um, so a few nights back, this is back to talking about vehicles. So you remember that old Chevy I was talking about. So, a couple nights ago, um, I'm on my way to a friend's place. I'm excited to relax. It had been a busy week. Um, We were going to play some board games, and then my car just started to disagree with my desire for it to speed up. I would put my foot on the pedal, and it would complain. I could hear the engine revving. It was having a hard time changing gears. And I slowly limped it along up to the speed that it needed to go. So I'm going 60. It's fine. And then I go up onto Glenmore and then I'm like slowly get it to 80. I'm like, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then I get to a merge (laughs) um, onto Deerfoot. And I know what to do with merges, right? I'm, I'm very well aware. You've just heard me. You speed up to join the flow of traffic. As I'm speeding up, 80, 80, 80, and it's not getting faster. And the more I work at it, the more my car is being unhappy with me. I'm going, I'm slowly moving from 80 to 70 to 60 to 50. I put my hazard lights on, I get onto the edge, and I then am in like the shoulder thing goodness it wasn't that busy on deerfoot i get over everything's fine and i slowly limp my car up and around and into a parking lot by the end of it my car is barely running at 30 kilometers an hour it is piping hot it's a disaster i admittedly heard a rattle so that's always good news right cars from the front rattle right that's normal right no okay <laughs> it's rattling i'm thinking this is the worst and um, yeah, it, it was quite, quite an event. And so, I had this moment where I was like, the harder I worked at it, 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 the less it was accomplished. The more I pushed the engine, the more it just needed to collapse on me. I was working so hard, but accomplishing so little with this vehicle. And some of us might be at that point in our spiritual lives. You kind of feel it's kind of running. Your faith life is kind of in motion. But you just can't seem to get up to cruising speed. You just can't seem to get to a place where your spiritual life is vibrant and and where you feel it's supposed to be. You're not firing on all cylinders. You desire to burn brightly. You want to want more of God. You want to want the boldness to speak clearly about who Jesus is in your life, to your friends, to your family, even to your own heart. You desire to love others more and in new and fresh ways. But the more you force it, the more clunky, the more difficult it seems to get. Remember that picture with the dad and his kid dancing perfectly? They were dancing perfectly because dad was in control. Dad was directing the steps. Dad was carefully swinging her around and all she did was stand on his feet. This is the call for us today. Oswald Chambers says this about God. God never forces a person. God never forces a person's will into surrender. And he never begs. He patiently waits until that person willingly yields to him. Okay, enough talk. I'm getting tired of the words that I'm saying. Not that they're bad words. I hope they're not bad words. But in the back of my mind, it's not about words, but it's about that the Holy Spirit could do a thing. That the Holy Spirit would have room to do his work. Uh, Online community, I've really appreciated that you've been joining us and I'll connect with you later. Um, Please use the link that I submitted, that I gave, so that you can reach out to me and connect with me. Um, Thank you. All right. So we are turning the cameras off, friends. So, just so you guys know. And they might be thinking, why are you doing this? What's going on? And the reason is simple. Last week, I said that I was going to invite us to come and receive uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. That there is space in everybody Every believer, there's room for us to be filled again and again with the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the good works that He has for us. But more than accomplish the good works, to accomplish that list of things that I've already mentioned, that we could have deeper intimacy with the Father, that we could pray in ways that we've not been able to pray before, that we would be transformed, and that we would be able to use gifts of God. I'm going to invite Dave and the worship team to come forward. Uh Uh-oh. This is happening. There we go. I'm going to invite Dave and the worship team to come forward. And it's going to be really simple. We're going to have a time of worship. And as we worship, the invitation will be simple. I'm going to have a, a prayer team that's going to come forward. And that prayer team is excited to be able to pray with you. To be able to pray whatever prayers need to be prayed. But the primary invitation is that you would come with an interest and a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's for spiritual gifts. Maybe it's for just a renewal to have the care and the energy you need for your family. Maybe it's just so that you can burn brightly, whatever that might be, that you would consider coming forward. And as Dave and the worship team begins to play, I'm just going to invite uh, my prayer team to come forward. And I'm just going to have a quick time of prayer for them. I'm going to line them up. And there's no obligation, friends. There's no, you don't have to do anything unless the Lord gives you a conviction to do this. And so my friends, our friends here, are happy to pray for you. Um, they might lay hands on you if you give them permission. And we are going to trust that the Holy Spirit has been preparing something for some of us today. So let's worship together.